0: The greatest joy of pastoral ministry, the greatest joy is the absolute privilege to know people and to be with people on the journey of life, to get to know people, to sense their heart, their faith, especially through the ups and downs of life, to share so many intimate aspects of life. This is the greatest joy a pastoral ministry for me one of the people who made an indelible and deep impression on my life was a devoted and gracious woman in my previous congregation her name was Helen she was so kind and so gracious in all aspects of her life and she died with an amazing faithfulness and fortitude helen was a generation older more a contemporary of my parents, but she had a most youthful spirit. There was a pervasive warmth about her, a gentleness that you could sense in her faith, in her face, in her faith, in her actions. She was present on Sundays. She was also present in church on many other days, and her generosity and her thoughtfulness had her leading the way in the church's compassion and care. She was famous for her pound cakes and she was famous for showing up at people's homes just when they needed real love and care. She spread joy, she spread encouragement everywhere she went. And on a personal note, Helen initiated and maintained a supportive and loving relationship with our youngest daughter, Jenny, especially as Jenny navigated the challenges and the complexities of middle school. And then perhaps most telling of Helen, when she was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, nothing changed about her. She was a person who maintained her kindness and her grace, her love, her faith through the ups and downs, even to the day she died. Helen wrote out the words to her memorial service, picking the hymns and the scripture, Uh, A great relief to her family, to her minister, to her church family. I'll never forget Helen, her beauty, her kindness, her abiding faith, her love, her courage. This is what inspires me, indeed inspires all of us. Helen is one of the people that I, along with most people who knew her, aspire to be. Can we be like that? in faith, in fortitude, in kindness, in courage, in love. We have a passage today, and it's another passage from the prophet Jeremiah. You may recall that the prophet Jeremiah appeared on the scene in some very troubling times, around 600 B.C. Instead of living faithfully in the land, caring for one another and worshiping God, God's people had turned inward and were mostly focused on selfish gains and certainly not the worship of God. Instead of the king acting as an agent of God's leadership in the land for the people, there were corruptions everywhere. And the Babylonians, well, this big emerging empire was threatening from the north with power, with influence, and threatening every sense of peace, every sense of stability, every sense of security in the land. Indeed, scholars are increasingly comparing Jeremiah's times and troubles to current times and current troubles. Listen now to a brief passage. I'm reading from chapter 17. I'm picking up at verse 5. We open our hearts to God. Thus says the Lord... Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord whose trust is the Lord, they shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought it's not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart to give all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. This is the word of the Lord. So as I read and thought about and prayed about this particular passage from Jeremiah 17, my heart this week focused on that word, like. Those who trust in mere mortals and seek human strength are like a shrub in the desert. Another translation uh, actually says those who think they can make it on their own are like, like a tumbleweed on the prairie out of touch with the good earth rootless and aimless in a land where nothing grows is that like me? Trusting ourselves, trusting our strength, and know-how, am I like, like that? I must admit, many days recently of reading the news, it makes me feel rootless, aimless, like tumbleweed. But it also says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like like a tree planted by a stream, sending its roots into the stream. It shall not fear when the heat comes and its leaves stay green. In the year of drought it's not anxious and it does not cease to bear fruit. Is that like me could it be like me that was certainly my experience of Helen grace kindness love compassion care in every season stability fortitude faithfulness in life and in death like a tumbleweed on the prairie Or like a tree planted by a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes. Its leaves stay green. It's not anxious. Always bearing fruit. Anne Weems, an accomplished Presbyterian poet who died a few years ago, has one of her poems and it reads like this. Oh God, you gave us a garden of Eden. And we chose to wander in deserts of our own making. You gave us the light of the world and we chose to do our night crawling. Forgive us our squandering, our wandering, and our lack of commitment. We certainly can, with things near and things far away, get into night crawling. Concerns about our commonwealth, our nation. What is effective moral leadership? What does it look like? We have issues in our personal life. We have issues with our relationships. Perhaps we're in a crucial point making a decision about our professional life. Which way should it go? Perhaps there's something else confronting us, perplexing us. What is it that God wants us to do? What is it? Jeremiah says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord, like a tree planted by a stream that sends its roots and does not fear, is not anxious. Can we be like that? Are we like that. Ours, ours is a lifelong calling, a lifelong process of trying to grow in the ways of trusting God. It's a journey. It's a journey of returning from our lostness and in the parched desert to the streams that give life and bear fruit. Ours is a constant journey that seeks to root ourselves in God's promises and presence, God's love and care, so much so that we can embody kindness, grace, courage, generosity, faithfulness, regardless of what comes our way. This is our constant calling and we're continually working at it. Are we like that? Can we be like that? So a little boy was walking down the beach and he saw a woman sitting in a beach chair under an umbrella reading a a book. And this was an older woman. And he walked over to it and he said, Ma'am, excuse me, are you a Christian? She said, Yeah, I am. He said, Do you go to church every week? She said, You know, I try to. Do you read the Bible? I try to read the Bible. Yes. He said, I have one more question. Can you hold my $2 so I can go swimming? <laughs> Perhaps our problem is we haven't comprehended well enough a God that we can trust with our concerns. Perhaps our problem is we want more proof that God is worthy of our courage and our faithfulness. Perhaps what we want is to hear for sure that God is trustable. We can indeed trust God. Unfortunately, it's more sporadic than that, our trust. Unfortunately, it's probably more wavering than it should be. And we're more like the tumbleweed rolling down the prairie, rootless and aimless. Here's the deal. God can hold our two dollars so we can go swimming. God can hold our lives with whatever we're dealing with. Because that's the promise, whether you live or whether you die. You're in God's care. God can hold us when we worry about the absurdities of life, and there are many of them. God can handle all that we're dealing with, the darkness that feels so pervasive sometimes. God can deal with it. This is the way Henry Nouwen put it. To be grateful for the good things that happen in our lives, well, that's easy. But to be grateful for all of our lives, the good as well as the bad, the moments of joy as well as the moments of sorrow, the successes as well as the failures, the rewards as well as the rejections, that requires hard spiritual work. Still, We are only truly grateful people when we can say thank you to all that has brought us to the present moment. Let us not be afraid now, and says, to look at everything that has brought us to where we are now and trust that we will soon see in it the guiding hand of God and God's eternal care. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. They are like a tree planted by a stream several years ago the comedian jay leno did one of his jaywalking segments if you ever watched jay leno you probably know about the jaywalking segments he would go out into to the public and randomly ask questions of people on the street so on one occasion jay leno asked people to name the ten commandments one of the most frequent answers that he got was this phrase god helps those who help themselves That, of course, is not one of the Ten Commandments. But this is not just what Jay Leno discovered when he asked people about the Ten Commandments. The Barna group uh, discovered in a lot of their research of Christians that eight out of ten people think this is right up there with one of the most important things God ever said. And apparently so many people think that God helps those who help themselves that it's really a major message in Scripture. Well, that phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is not a major message in Scripture. Somehow along the way, the phrase has taken on a heightened sense of popularity and prominence and influence, but it's not a major message in Scripture. The Benedictines have a Latin phrase, ora et labora, which means pray and work. Our connections to God lead us to doing God's work in the world. We are partners with God and God calls us to be engaged in the world. We pray and we work. They go together. It's essential. That is a major message of Scripture. Presbyterians have a similar phrase. We know that we are elected to service as well as salvation. We know there is no election, no salvation, Without our call to serve God in the world, God calls us, God claims us, God loves us, and absolutely God expects us to lead lives of service in the world related to our life with God. But too often this phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is used to rather justify our lack of service. Namely, we don't have to help others because God helps those who help themselves. But that's a distortion of the gospel, and that's not biblical. What we know from Scripture is that there are lots of people who truly cannot help themselves. And God cares deeply about these people, and God blesses us to be a blessing to those. We simply cannot say, God helps those who help themselves, therefore we don't have to help them. That's twisting the promises in such a way that we may actually be more cursed, as Jeremiah is saying in this passage. No, we trust God, not ourselves, and trusting God leaves us to loving and serving others always. Yesterday, in this sacred space, we gathered to give thanks to God for the life and the witness and the work and walk of Nancy Updegrave, who was a devoted deacon in this church, a faithful participant in our walk-in ministry, and a friend to many of us, and especially a friend to our walk-in guests who come on Monday. That is her great legacy in this congregation and in our hearts. It is not God helps those who help themselves. It is God asks us, To help others in loving service. Nancy inspires us to keep doing that. Jeremiah says Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Blessed are those whose lives reflect the kindness, the hospitality, the compassion whose courage flows in good days and bad days, who participate in the healing of the world, not the heartbreak of the world. What are we like? How can we be more like what Jeremiah is talking about? The Jeremiah passage ends with a comment about the heart. Who can really understand the heart? And Jeremiah says, you know what? It's God. God understands the heart. What are our hearts like? What are our hearts like? Our first lesson points to our hearts. Ginger talked about this in her children's sermon. When we practice our piety, when we give alms, when we pray, Jesus says, be careful of hypocrisy. What he means, is about your heart. And God knows our hearts. What are we like? A tree planted by streams, Bearing fruit, not anxious, not fearful. What could we be like? Does our trust in God manifest itself in our daily living? Like a tumbleweed. Like a tree planted by a stream bearing fruit in every season. Which will it be for you? For me? Let us pray. O Lord, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you, that is to rise. To trust you, to stand, to strive to serve you, that is to abide forever. Show us that way, following Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.